Hey everybody, Alex Dorio here. Just want to give you a quick heads up before you listen to this week's episode of Talking Taker. Uh, first of all, thanks for downloading the episode and just wanted to apologize. This is not our best sounding episode. Had a couple problems as we were recording this. I was trying out a new method of recording that is hopefully going to give Travis, uh, who we connect with on Skype, a better sound quality and if you'll notice, uh, hopefully he does sound better, but unfortunately we had some issues with some feedback, some clicking and popping that I could not detect as I was recording it. I listened back to the episode and it was pretty bad, uh, but I've run it through a couple programs, hopefully made it listenable for you. Um, I think it sounds a lot better than it did uh, when I first listened to it back, so hopefully it's okay uh, and just Apologies for that. Also, you'll hear my dogs running around in the background quite a bit on this episode. I've just moved to a new house, and we've just got a new dog in our family, so not fully aware of how much noise they were making again until I listened back to this. So we will work on both of those things and hopefully have a better sounding episode for you next week. Uh, you might hear one of those dogs moving around right now. So uh, yeah, we'll work on those for next week, but I appreciate your patience and listening back and appreciate all you guys for listening for the past 22 episodes. Here's episode number 23. Come back to us next week. It'll sound a whole lot better. Take her easy. All right, everybody, welcome back to Talking Taker. We are here, episode number 23 of the podcast, digging up the career of professional wrestling's greatest character of all time. We appreciate you joining us for yet another round of Dead Man Talking. My name is Alex Dorio. I am one of your hosts, one of the creatures of the night, and I am joined, as always, by my tag team partner, my co-host, my fellow creature of the night out there, Mr. Travis White. And Travis, I know you always like to uh, tie in the numbers of these episodes. So, I mean, 23, what, what number does that represent in The Undertaker's career? Uh, well, you know, he's like the Michael Jordan of the WWF, and Jordan's number was 23. So you could say that's that. what I'm going to go with here. <laughs> But uh, also, my birthday is the 23rd. I so. mean, your birthday is April 23rd, but I mean, you yeah. missed an obvious one. Oh, this match is on June 23rd. Is that one? <laughs> nope. Come oh, on. Dang yeah. it. Well, hit me with it. I don't know. We now have as many episodes as The Undertaker has wins at WrestleMania, number 23. Oh, and The Undertaker, man. of course, is 23 and 2 at WrestleMania. Come on, man. No, oh, I'm sorry. I'll be honest, once he got that one loss or brought Lesnar out, I lost count of what the record was. So, true, true. Uh, That's fair. Yeah, I know he's got two losses, but I lost count of the you know, the wins, how many wins there were. I know there's two losses, but I forgot how many wins there were. So yeah. twenty three and two. Twenty three and two. And I I'm guess a thousand apologies. A, a, a thousand uh forgivenesses. <laughs> but uh he could be twenty three and three, or he could be twenty four and to uh, as of later this year because the rumor mills are, are still going they're still buzzing we are still now just a couple days away from finding out the undertaker's role at raw 25 what he's coming back for and i guess what his role will be at wrestlemania 34 if there is a role there um, i think you and i were both thinking and hoping that maybe he would be announced for the hall of fame this year but 
I think the odds of that kind of went down when we heard that Goldberg was going to be the first inductee into the Hall of Fame this year, and they, they usually announce the headliner first, and you know Undertaker would definitely be the headliner the year that he goes in. So I don't know, man. Uh, as we're getting any a uh, little bit closer to Raw 25, uh, I guess we're just going to have to wait and see like everybody else to see what the Undertaker's role is going to be. Yeah, I have no idea. Like you said, I hope you and I both hope he's done in the ring because it just ended in a good way and allowed us to do this podcast. Right. So, uh, but um, anyway, we'll cover that match when we get to it if he does come back. But yeah, I, I agree. I, I don't think it's gonna be the headliner at the Hall of Fame because yeah, Goldberg's got that. So we'll see what happens. I don't know. We uh, heard Maybe from we'll come you back on Monday with purple gloves or gray gloves. That would be great if he comes office. out at twenty five <laughs> with the old school look. Um, we heard or from you about our... El Dandy. I don't know if you guys saw that picture we put on our Facebook page of him and El Dandy from, I guess, 1988 or 9 or something. 90, I don't know. Where did you find that thing from? Uh, I have my sources. Oh, okay. I have my sources. <laughs> who are you to question El Dandy? I, I mean, who am I to doubt you and El Dandy? Or doubt, yes. Um we did uh, put a poll up for you, uh, our fellow fans, our fellow creatures of the night out there, asking what you thought was going to happen at Raw 25, and um, it, it was kind of split a little bit, but uh, n- number one response was, uh, we think uh, you guys think that The Undertaker is going to challenge John Cena, that got 43% of the vote, and the Hall of Fame announcement got 29% of the vote. Uh, Undertaker declaring himself for the World Rumble got 14% of the vote, and The Undertaker making an official retirement announcement got another 14% of the vote. So it could be one of those four things. Seems like uh, a lot of people are thinking he might face John Cena. Who knows? He could face somebody else. Could face Braun Strowman, maybe. I know that was talked about uh, last year or a couple years ago as well as a possible thing. So uh, it's all up in the air. The WWE, uh, you never know what will happen in the World Wrestling Federation, as Vince McMahon <laughs> likes to say. So uh, we'll find Absolutely. out along with you. <laughs> and uh, we may even break in with a special uh, breaking news update of Talking Taker, uh, depending on what happens this Monday night, if it's newsworthy. Uh, and I'm sure it will be. So uh, be on the lookout for your podcast feed. Uh, we may uh, try to break in before next Friday's episode with just a special little quick analysis of what we see from The Undertaker. And uh, just real quick, speaking of polls, uh, we did take a poll on last week's episode on the match between Undertaker and Goldust. And before we get into this week's episode, uh, again, that was kind of split as well. Uh, We had 40% of the vote uh, giving that match a thumbs up, and then we had another 40% giving it a thumbs in the middle, so sort of so-so, and then 20% giving it a thumbs down, which I think is where I would lean as well for last week's matchup. Not my favorite match, uh, but a great angle to to end the match and to lead us into this week's discussion of King of the Ring 1996, Undertaker and Mankind. For sure, yeah. We appreciate you listeners and uh, everybody on Twitter and Facebook uh, you know, responding to those uh, polls we put up and everything and the shout-outs we get. And, um, yeah, it's just been good. We have uh, – the, the time of this recording, we have almost 900 followers. So that's, I know, blown both of us away, and we're excited about that. And thank you all. And we'll keep pumping out episodes as long as Undertaker keeps going. So we got a lot to go. We've covered a lot of ground so far. We've already done, what, almost six years now and uh, got a long ways to go. But we're excited. Let's keep it going. King of the Ring 96, a very iconic pay-per-view. Those of you who've been sleeping under a rock, and by sleeping I mean living under a rock. Uh, or sleeping in a uh, casket King. like The Undertaker does. Or sleeping in a broken casket, courtesy of Diesel. Um, King of the Ring 96, big show, big turning point for uh, one man's 
career. That is Stone Cold Steve Austin, the former ringmaster, former stunning Steve Austin. He won this uh, again, according to the rumors. Um, Triple H was supposed to win, I believe, but then because of the curtain call, he kind of got uh, had to eat all the poo poo for that, and because uh, he was the only one stuck behind, and Shawn Michaels was champ, so he had to eat the poop for that, and Steve Austin got the win, and uh, a great night for him, and this is where Austin 316 is born, and um, on a future episode of Raw, we'll talk about, but uh, they recap the show, and Vince McMahon says it was the greatest pay-per-view card in the history of the World Wrestling Federation. <laughs> <laughs> I highly disagree, but it was a good show. The uh, epitome of hyperbole, Vince McMahon, uh, oh, yeah. never never lets us down in that area. Uh yeah, you know, it, it is obviously the coming out party for Stone Cold Steve Austin, and he's going to play a big role in this podcast in the years to come. Uh, and I think people kind of sleep on this match on Mankind and Undertaker from this pay-per-view. You know, we all, this is not like their most famous battle at all. It's their first battle, their first time stepping in the ring with each other on pay-per-view. Uh, but, you know, we remember the Boiler Room Brawl. Of course, we remember Hell in a Cell from 1998 but uh, and Buried Alive even. A lot of people remember that one. But, you know, even I'd kind of forgotten that their first matchup was here at King of the Ring. It doesn't have uh, the same fanfare. It's kind of a sleeper match for sure. Uh, and uh, for me, it was really exciting to go back and watch it. And we'll cover it uh, here in just a minute. We're going to get through all the buildup uh uh, set the scene for it first and I just want to say real quick you know this was kind of a well we talked on the last couple episodes about this 1996 being a rebuilding year for the World Wrestling Federation how uh, you know they've lost Diesel lost Razor Ramon Bret Hart is out uh, trying to find himself or whatever uh, he's doing before he comes back so we're building up new stars and you see that with Stone Cold winning the King of the Ring and uh, to me it was like um, as I was watching these Raws and this pay-per-view, it reminded me of like a baseball team uh, who's kind of going through a rebuilding year, who's kind of bottomed out like they did in 1995. Uh, but then you've got this whole lineup in the WWF. You've got uh, you got the new young stars who aren't quite there yet, but you know are going to be big stars for the future, like Stone Cold, um, like um, Triple H. Triple H is there. Uh, you've got. Um, Brian Pillman coming in, who they think is going to be a big star. Unfortunately, it doesn't right. quite work out yeah. like that. But you've got Goldust, uh, Bradshaw. Rocky Maivia is on the way. Rock, Rocky Maivia is coming in. Then you've got the old veterans who are there kind of raising them up, and they're, they're putting them in a bigger role as well with guys like Jerry Lawler, who's, who is doing more and more <laughs> yeah. on these cards. Uh, Jake the Snake Roberts Ultimate has back. come back in. Ultimate Warrior is back for a little while. Bob Backlund is still hanging around on these shows <laughs> yeah. doing stuff. Uh, and then you've got just like the duds, like the bottom of the barrel guys who are just filling up your roster to take up space. Because we're seeing on these shows, you've still got Duke the Dumpster Drossy is still hanging around. Uh, Barry Horowitz is still hanging around. T.L. Hopper is still hanging around. The Goon is still hanging around. Like in 1996, man, they just seem so outdated uh, with Stone Cold Steve Austin and Brian Pillman yeah. still uh, on the card now. It's just such a weird juxtaposition with all these guys. And, and soon enough, in 97 and 98, we're going to see this, this roster, this team really hit their stride and have their championship season right there in, uh, in those years. But now it's still the rebuilding year where you're seeing glimpses of hope, but you've still got those little things just 
keeping holding you back. You're not quite there yet. Um, but I don't know. It just uh, struck me as something interesting as a baseball fan. I kind of saw some similar, some uh, parallels uh, to the rebuilding in that process. No, absolutely. And through it all, you got your, you know, your your benchmark player and the, the Undertaker. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's been there since the old era with Hogan and Flair. And back when Bob Backlund was, you know, younger and more relevant than he is at this point in 96. So, and he's, again, he's kind of the linchpin holding all these characters together. It's crazy, man. He's the Chipper Jones career. of the WWF. Uh, there you this go. Period. There you go. There you go. King of the Ring 96, this feud started off the night after WrestleMania, as we talked about on our uh, last episode. Uh, we saw Mankind attack The Undertaker uh, and leave him laying, leave him laying there for the first time, and then the feud continued on uh, as Mankind took out The Undertaker after his match with Goldust at Beware of Dog, and the show ended with Mankind stuffing Undertaker in the casket, the smoke billowing up out of the casket, and then... The casket lid being taken off, Paul Bear screaming, not knowing where The Undertaker is, leaving us with a big mystery going into Raw the night after on June 3rd, 1996. And we still don't see The Undertaker that night, uh, but we do see Mankind. Uh, as The Undertaker Gold Dust feud uh, gets put on the back burner, we transition back to Undertaker and Mankind. And Mankind has a big warm-up for his big King of the Ring matchup by going up against our, our favorite jobber, Mr. B.H., Barry Horowitz. <laughs> Another main event anywhere in the country. Diesel punch to the face still. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's still recovering from that. Uh, Mankind takes care of him pretty handily. Uh, but uh, Vince McMahon, uh, after the match, sends JR into the ring uh, to talk with Mankind. Says, hey, you know Mankind better than anybody. Uh, you should get in there and talk with him. So a little nod maybe to what you were talking about <laughs> on the last episode. JR yeah. brought Mankind into the company. Uh, and they're really building up Mankind here. Uh, they're talking about Mankind being the Undertaker's toughest challenge ever. Uh, which I think is true. He's definitely left him laying more than anyone ever has. And now we finally got somebody to match up with The Undertaker's intensity, somebody to bring the best out of him, to bring some great matches out of him. And um, Undertaker, uh, excuse me, Mankind has a great promo here on this episode. Undertaker, you can't take my ear. It's already gone. You can't take my teeth. They're already gone. With all the things I've lost in life, I think I miss my mind the most. And at the King of the Ring, you're going to lose it all! Win! Win! What I tell you, man. Really intense, really building you up, really making you want to see him go up against The Undertaker. Uh, I really enjoyed it. And uh, just one other quick little note about this episode was that in the build-up, or on commentary during this match, he says, Vince McMahon says The Undertaker disappeared the night before, and then he reappeared the next day. Uh, I was just like, what? What do you mean? Where did he reappear to? How do you know that? Did Paul Bear give you the scoop? Did you call the superstar line 1-900-737-4WWF? I don't know, uh, but uh, apparently he yeah. just reappeared the next day somewhere, somehow. I was wondering, they never really explained that at all. Because in the next week on Raw, uh, we have Undertaker in the main event against the British Bulldog. So yeah, they never really explain, you know, follow up that storyline. But I guess that's their little, you know, 
way to get around it. Vince is just like, oh, by the way, he's back. <laughs> yeah, he reappeared. Yeah. Wish we could have seen it unfold. Nope. So. <laughs> nope, not a chance. Not a chance. So, yeah, man, I'm, I missed that Mankind promo you were talking about. I completely skipped over that episode of Raw. My dates were wrong, and I skipped it. So I'm glad to know that they touched upon it because there's not too much build um, between our last pay-per-view and this one because a lot of it's been built up, like you said, since WrestleMania. Um, it's been building up on every Raw since then, and and there's uh, only three of, weeks know, of shows technically because yeah. they missed that Raw in between the first Beware of Dog and the second Beware of Dog. I mean, they have right. that Raw, but exactly. they kind of got to re reassemble their plans a little bit. They can't quite start the build up because um, you know they they can't quite show you the match that they want to show you because they missed it during exactly. Beware of Dog. So uh, yeah, you're missing a week exactly. of build up that we would normally have. Yeah. So then on Raw on uh, June 10th, it's Undertaker versus British Bulldog for the main event, and um, this one's it's a it's a it's a good match. I wouldn't go out of your way to watch the whole thing, but I would you know if you're gonna watch it, um, go watch just fast forward to the end because um, this is where um, Mankind interferes by holding Undertaker's leg from underneath the ring. So yeah. Bulldog and Undertaker on the outside fighting, and I believe Mankind had a match earlier in the night. I can't remember, but anyway, um, he wasn't very prominently featured on the episode. But anyway, at the end. Undertaker and uh, Bulldog on the outside and referee, I think it's Tim White, is counting uh, the 10 count. And as Undertaker tries to get back in the ring up on the apron, you see Mankind's arms reach out from under the ring and hold him and grab him down. And referee counts 10, and he can't be the 10 count. So Undertaker loses again. Again, he's not taking a pinfall or anything, but he's still losing. Mm -hmm. So Mankind's got his number, you know? He's he really taking it to him. That's, that's Lost the whole, department. <laughs> yeah, that's the whole story of this match. He's got his number like no one ever else has. Um, yeah. And, you know, like you said, yeah, it's not a great match. It's a TV match. It's nothing special. There's a really long headlock it's long. in the middle of it. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. It's so long. Um, and uh, I, I, the only thing I was thinking was, yeah, it's, it's not really worth watching. But you just notice watching this these sort of matches that – Undertaker just makes it look easy, man. He he still yeah. has the crowd in the palm of his hand, and he's not even going a hundred percent out there. But they are just into whatever he is doing, and uh, it's it's not as easy as he makes it look, you know. And he just has a special right. skill of doing that, of connecting with the crowd, and not everybody can do that. Uh, but he does it here, and. Yeah, uh, once again, Mankind ends the show looking strong, uh, standing over well, the Undertaker and. Um, just yeah, one because he hits the he he, he hits the, the wedgie pile driver. I call it. He does. Mankind does this pile driver where basically, if you've never seen it, he pulls your underwear basically or your tights, and that's how he picks you up. Rather than you know, most guys will wrap their arms around your waist, pick you up, you know, stand you up straight, and then drop you on your head. Mankind just grabs your trunks and just basically sits down. And I call it a wedgie pile driver. I always have. When I used to do it on my wrestling dummy that my uh, <laughs> aunt made me, or you probably, <laughs> we just called it the wedgie pile driver. Yep. So um. Yeah, he does that, which I just wrote. It's so impactful. Like it looks, it, it looks like it hurts worse. And again, this mankind character is like deranged, crazy. We don't know that he's been trained in the performance center. You know, he's got half an ear. He's got scars all over his body. He rips his own hair out. So I like the nuance there that it doesn't look like a. He's not a polished, you know, ring general like Ric Flair or even Steve Austin at this point or mm -hmm. Triple H. You know, he's he's kind of brawly and just doesn't have um good technique i know but it looks it looks nasty you know he's different he stands does. out it, it fits the character for sure um yeah. and then all these jabronis from the out from the backstage try to come keep him like at bay yeah, as try the, to keep uh, him separated as the uh, 
yeah, as the um, thing goes, as the show fades to black. So, so just one little fun, other little note about that. That is Undertaker and British Bulldog. That's a rematch of the Undertaker's only successful WWF Championship defense up to this point. Because the one time he held the title, the only time he defended it was on some house shows uh, back in 1991 against the British Bulldog. So it's our first time seeing that match, and Bulldog gets the win uh, in this one. Or, well, no, Undertaker gets the win by DQ, actually. Um, Sorry, I messed that up. But, yeah. No, Bulldog got the win by Countout. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's one-to-one. One-to-one match. (laughs) And they're really building up. The commentary is talking more about Bulldog and Shawn Michaels for the yeah. WWF title, which makes sense. That's the WWF championship yeah. match. So, yeah, not much as far as building up Undertaker and Mankind here. And then there's not much on June 17th either on that next Raw, the final the go-home show. I, no, I do want to mention one little thing, though. Um, this is the episode where Stone Cold debuts the Stone Cold Stunner. Mm. Um, he, he wrestles Savio Vega, and as far as I could tell, I researched – various websites various um you know things to look at and see if he ever did the the stunner before this i couldn't find it on any house show reports or anything so unless someone wants to prove me wrong which is fine i I, i'm wrong sometimes but uh this is where i think he debuted the stone cold stunner against savio and they don't the commentary doesn't know it's just like kind of what a maneuver oh look at that match (laughs) or look at that move but uh because you don't know what it's going to become and he doesn't do the kick to the stomach yet or anything he just kind of grabs your neck and falls so um, Pretty cool, significant moment there. Uh, oh yeah, it's, it's, I just thought it was a little neat little nugget, you know, as we're you know watching you know the WWF change and grow and all these characters. Like you said, all this new blood is kind of growing at the same time. So, and again, even Undertaker is changing. We'll talk about that as we get through actually to this match. So, but um, Vince kind of recaps the Mankind vs. Undertaker feud that's been building since April after the uh, Steve Austin match. Um, when he debuts the stunner. Uh, and then Taker gives a really short promo backstage. It's just his face. And he says, uh, At King of the Ring, mankind, you will pay for your sins. And I will take your tormented soul and plunge it into the eternal darkness for which I am master. <laughs> Sorry, I had to do that. That was perfect. So, yeah. uh, but that's all the new buildup, man. There's nothing else. So, that was it. That was it. Um, the, the other significant thing that happened on that Raw, besides Stone Cold debuting the Stunner, uh, with his his uh, former tag team partner Brian Pillman. This is the episode where they announced that he is signed with the WWF. And you know, I just wanted to mention that because I mean, can you imagine Brian Pillman and the Undertaker if they had been able to feud oh, with man. each other and do something? The loose cannon up there playing mind games with the Undertaker cutting promos on him. Uh, unfortunately, we never got that, um, so we're not really gonna have another chance to talk about him. Um, so right. I, yeah, I just was thinking. That, yeah, look what he and Steve him. Austin did with the, the the gun angle and breaking the. I mean, he and Undertaker could have done some craziness. So yeah, yeah, that's a missed opportunity. Unfortunately, he passed away too too early. Yeah, it's a shame. Um, and then on a lighter note, I wanted to mention something I heard uh, Jerry Lawler say on commentary uh, during this episode of Raw, uh, because Goldust has moved, moved on to feuding with um, Jake the Snake Roberts. And uh, Jerry Lawler says, and I quote, I hope Goldust likes his snake long because he's going to eat a big python one-on-one here with Jake Roberts. <laughs> I just thought, whoops, dear Lord. <laughs> You can't say that on television. You shouldn't say that on television. You can't. Remember that show on Nickelodeon? You can't do that on television? Yeah. Yeah. We should have stamped that right over that comment. (laughs) Whoops, a daddy. 
Yeah, Lawler, man, he was unchained. Oh my then. goodness, <laughs> he's just off the leash, running wild. In the commentary, I love it. <laughs> it's so great. Yeah, King was on fire here, going into the King of the Ring, and uh, so let's jump into it. Uh, I believe this is June twenty third, nineteen ninety six, and the King is actually not Milwaukee. Here. Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, the King is not going to be on commentary uh, because he's got a matchup with the Ultimate Warrior, which, yeah, I just want to talk about that for just a second uh, as we go into the show. <laughs> uh, but the commentary team, how about this for a commentary team, man? Vince Man, Jim Ross, and instead of Jerry the King Lawler, we get our one and only appearance of Owen Hart on commentary. I mean, <laughs> what, a, what an interesting choice. <clears throat> Yeah, man, I, I agree. It was it was definitely, at first I was like, man, this is kind of weird. But as, as I was re-watching the show, I was like, you know, I kind of like it, though, because Owen Hart had nothing to do, right? Mm-hmm. He wasn't on the show. He wasn't in the King of the Ring. He's a former champion of the King of the Ring, right? He won in 94, right? Because Brett won 93, he won 94, and yep. you were just reminding me that Mabel won 95. I'm trying to block that out. Uh, Mabel won 95. So, again, he's not doing anything. So I kind of liked that he was on the show on commentary. It was different. He's a... Uh, uh, I don't know. He doesn't have the quick wit like everybody, but he does have some some good lines. And I'll point them out as we get into the match. But I just yeah. thought it was kind of neat that he was on commentary. Yeah, and I don't it know when though. it was different. I don't know when we'll talk about Owen again because uh, I don't know that he. I don't believe he's involved in any more matches with the Undertaker uh, going forward. But man, I love Owen Hart. Uh, I did back when I was a kid. Uh, he was like the first heel I ever really started to appreciate and be a fan of. He was fantastic. <laughs> Uh, you gave me the Owen Hart Blu-ray that came out uh, a couple years ago that WWE put out, and it's a it's a great documentary. I wish the documentary part is not on the network. I wish it was so everybody could see it because man, he was an incredible talent, uh, special underrated talent, and I do hope he gets a nod into the Hall of Fame one day. They can work out all the family issues and all that. He definitely deserves to be there. Agreed. Yeah, it's a shame we don't get to see him and Undertaker because the, the the match that he and Brett had was awesome, and that they will have is are awesome. And so I wish that you know we could have seen Owen because he's got I don't know he's got Brett's te- technique, but he's also kind of a high flyer too. So it would have yeah. been really fun to see he and and Undertaker go at it. So, yeah. but anyway, but I do want to say one thing. So you talked about Jake the Snakes in this. Uh, he makes it to the finals against um, Stone Cold. Uh, in the King of the Ring, but they keep on commentary the whole night talking about how old he is, how old uh-huh. Jake Snake is. How he's so old, he's so old. Do you know how old he is here? I think he's like forty-two, something like he's that. He's forty-one years old. Forty-one. Okay. He's forty-one. AJ Styles is forty years old. John Cena <laughs> is forty years old right now. Look, look at, well, look at their body. So it says two things. One thing is like forty is not that old anymore. These guys can still go. But also, look at his body, because Jake the Snake is 41, but he looks 61 here. Yes, that's so, the whole point. Yeah. 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 Kudos to AJ Styles and John Cena and those guys. And, I mean, freaking Chris Jericho is when at Wrestle Kingdom. He's 47, and he looked – I mean, he's lost some steps, but he still looked great, you know? So – 41 ain't what it used to be back in 96. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 41 for Jake the Snake Roberts is like 61 or 71. I mean, <laughs> just looking at his his gut, his hairline or whatever, so you can get away with doing yeah. that kind of storyline that you couldn't necessarily sure. do with uh, with AJ Styles. But, yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. And we're going to see Undertaker late into his 40s as well. Uh, not quite looking oh, yeah. like AJ Styles, but not quite looking like Jake the Snake either. <laughs> but, uh, man... Well, I wonder how old Jerry the King Lawler is on this show, too, because he has 
he plays a crucial part in it, having a match with Ultimate Warrior. And, you know, I just ended up watching that. I've talked to before. I love Jerry the King Lawler. Uh, the older I get, the more I appreciate what he does in the ring. And Absolutely. You don't need to go check out his match with Ultimate Warrior here. It's nothing special at all. But uh, I do recommend it, it comes on right before the Mankind Undertaker match. Go check out his intro as he's walking to the ring because he is just he's got the mic and he is just ragging and ripping on the fans like individually as he walks down to the ring. <laughs> and again, he is saying stuff that you cannot say on TV in 2018, uh, not on a family friendly PG show. Just like it's not even crude, it's just like mean to these fans. Yeah. Like uh, it would not pass the be a star test at all. Uh, but it is <laughs> your mouth will drop and it is hilarious uh, to watch him do that. It's just a masterclass. And uh, his match with Ultimate Warrior, again, like I said, um, it, it, it does provide a stark contrast to this match because Jerry Lawler's style, sure. you know, he never takes a bump. He's just working the crowd, uh, just <laughs> yeah. like stalling and doing all this other stuff. That is also professional wrestling. You know, professional wrestling is intense. Yep. It can be brutal. It can be high flying. It can be bloody. It can be silly. It can be goofy. It can be big over the top. And Jerry Lawler does that like nobody else does. And uh, we're going to see in this match, as we jump into it right now, Mankind and Undertaker, um, they're going to go to the complete opposite spectrum of that and just have a really, really physical, brutal, intense matchup with each other uh, that's going to raise the bar uh, in another way uh, in the WWF. Uh, and I thought it was a it was a great match, really underrated match. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think didn't Jerry Lawler and Jeff Jarrett just wrestle like two weeks ago at the Memphis Grizzlies game? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so exactly. he's still going today, you know. He can still 22 do that. years later. Yep. Yeah, he can. And that says and something because uh, Mankind and Undertaker he, can't really go anymore. Yeah, exactly. Says something. So, uh, but getting into this match, what we came here for, uh, Mankind comes out first, uh, and Vince McMahon points out in commentary how he's put the Undertaker out three times with the Mandible Claw, and we've I think we've recapped all three of those times here on the show. Um, but he says, "Is this the man who has Undertaker's ticket?" Yes. Which I thought was really cool because, like you said, he's he's vulnerable, man. I, I keep pointing it out how he, ever since that Bret Hart match, he's shown more vulnerability, especially with Diesel. And he's just—he's becoming less supernatural, more vulnerable, and more hum—more human-like. Almost said more human than human. A little Rob Zombie <laughs> reference there. What? Which that song probably came out ninety-five, ninety-six. So it was pertinent at this point. So yeah, really human here. And uh, but they're really putting over his unpredictability. His being mankind. His unpredictability. His deranged personality. Like I said, he's got the half an ear and pulls his hair out. His dude. Do you remember how? guard up his arms were yeah they were terrifying back yeah. then man he was a very scary <laughs> like, character to a little kid watching this and um, yeah yeah he's kind of mankind's being booked like the undertaker was when he first came in yeah. he's being pushed up to the top like, like undertaker was. should be hmm to like bray wyatt should have been oh yeah exactly exactly it's it's the textbook uh, example of that and of how they failed in that area. Uh, so Mankind is like the perfect antithesis to The Undertaker. Uh, Undertaker comes out, he gets another huge pop and uh, enormous. JR says it's going to be a slobber knocker. <laughs> Glad you pointed that out. I had that written down too. And he was right. Yep. We get the debut uh, of the word slobber knocker on pay per view for us. Our least. first one. So, yeah. yeah. Um, 
Paul Bear comes out uh, with no Undertaker here at this entrance. We hear Undertaker's music, but Paul Bear comes out. Uh, he's acting like he doesn't know where Undertaker is. And uh, much like last month, uh, the lights come up. And, but this time, Undertaker is not only in the ring, he is on the top rope uh, waiting for Mankind. And Mankind, I'm like, come on, man. You got to do your research, man. Did you not watch the last pay-per-view, man? You got to be looking around for Undertaker. Uh, you got to be... Have you had a swivel, swivel for the Undertaker, man? He missed the boat there. Exactly. He did. But, man, this is – I want to put this, this entrance over, man. It's so cool because, you know, the lights are all down and production – to today's standards, they had it even done better. But even back then, they had it done really well. The camera – the hard camera is on the ring. When the lights come up, you see Undertaker perched on the like, – like a gargoyle, you know, just like on the top <laughs> rope looking like a big scary, terrifying gargoyle. Yeah. And the crowd, like it takes them like – half a second to realize it and then they just go ah, they go nuts and mankind kind of turns into it and he just jumps off wailing away at mankind i mean just absolutely like i wrote he's just losing his mind yes. throwing punches kicks body punches it's kind of what you know i didn't remember him having this style back in 96 mm-hmm. i remembered it kind of as he became you know uh once he started debuting hell's gate i forgot he had this in 96 i mean he is just absolutely obliterating mankind yes. like a boxing match i love it um, it's just vicious wailing on him in yeah. the corner uh, it was awesome uh looked very real uh which is what yeah. you would expect yeah. from coming from a guy exactly. who's been beaten down that much by mankind uh he lets him have it it's telling that perfect story you know you you brought up i think you brought up several times how that blood feud between randy orton and triple h you know at wrestlemania 25 started with like a, a collar double tie-up mm-hmm. you know and it was like if you get disqualified you lose the match like are you kidding me let these guys go at it and yeah, kill each other, fight. you know, which is what happens here. You know, these guys, I mean, Undertaker is so human here. He's got emotion. He is not just a, an old scary monster from, the, you know, the horror novels anymore. He's a, He's got emotion here, and he's beating the mess out of Mankind, uh, which is cool to see. And, he, and then <laughs> when they go to the outside, Mankind just goes up to Paul Bear and's like, <laughs> squeals at him. Screams at him. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was funny. Uh, Undertaker <laughs> responds to that. He, he goes and tries to rip Mankind's mask off uh, at one yeah. point, um, which is kind of interesting. Uh, does the old school, of course. Uh, dominates the first little section of the match, but uh, Undertaker, uh, excuse me, Mankind uh, takes control for a little bit, gets a body slam on Undertaker. And I just noticed, man, you know, just Mankind, we, t- we talked a little bit about it. He's just in great shape at this point. Just yeah. thinking about the many different shapes that we've seen Mick Foley in uh we've seen him <laughs> literal literal shapes <laughs> exactly exactly because round is a shape <laughs> he is uh probably in the best shape of his life uh, I would say uh, yeah. here in this match you know he's not he's never been ripped you know he's never had like a six-pack or big biceps or anything like that but he looks trim and he looks slim uh he looks strong and uh he's he's going in this match uh, he looks yeah. awesome and he does the elbow off the apron on the undertaker here that we uh mentioned uh, and as his signature and probably took a lot of life off of his career doing that night after night after night but man it looked cool yeah. when he did it <laughs> yeah th- yeah he did a little short one all right this one that he does like because he comes in later and does another one but yeah this was a little short one just to the outside but yeah it probably it's probably why he can't walk right nowadays right. Yep. killed his hip jumping on that but i, I want to say one thing too is and we pointed out a couple times and i know stone cold talks about on his podcast said undertaker will sell for you but he does what they call selling on the run you know he's he's not gonna just lay there like a dead fish you know he, he sells but he's still moving it and you keep pointing out when he's in the headlock or a sleeper he fights 
he fights to get out of it, which the only guy I recognize doing that nowadays is AJ Styles. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he Like, if he, you have him in the, the, the attitude adjustment, he's going to move and kick around and flail until you slam him down. But Undertaker does that this whole time. Even though he's getting beat up by Mankind when he's in control, he's selling on the run. And it's just cool to see... Um, these little nuances because he's not just he's not just dying here in the middle of the ring and, and getting beat up. He's he's fighting back. He has a little hope spot, a punch or a kick or something, and or gets one little chop in. But then mankind is still in control. So that's just it's really cool to see because his psychology is just incredible. The more we watch him, the more I'm just like, man, this guy knows what's going on from from day one. And he's so good. Exactly, a unique but, talent uh, and a unique mind for the business, no doubt about it. We've seen that time and time again. Um, and something else unique I noticed in this match was the WWF blimp that was floating around uh, on the outside oh, yeah. <laughs> of the inside the arena, outside the ring. Uh, I don't know why. I just noticed that. No, I don't really have anything to say about it. It was just there. <laughs> it was the first time I noticed. They should do drones of those now. Now oh, the drones are a should. thing. They I'm should make a, they don't. a WWF blimp drone. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, well, they probably will now. Drone camera at WrestleMania. I could see that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and great. Man, the announcers are great for this. Or JR, you know, I talked about how he's yeah. not – I felt like he did, couldn't quite sell the uh, over-the-top angle at last month's pay-per-view the best way, but he is perfect for this brutal match. Mm-hmm. And they are uh, – him and Vince are both tr- just getting over how intense this matchup is, um, how it's not for the weak at heart, how it's brutal. And Undertaker shows that. He, mankind picks up a chair, but Undertaker boots it right back into his face and then back body drops him onto the chair – uh, the crowd is getting into it. Uh, business is about to pick up, as Jim Ross says in there. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Undertaker gets at wax mankind with a chair. Wait a minute. The Undertaker with a chair. Oh, God. I've the smack. The boss. A steel chair right across mankind's head. This resembles a prison riot. And... At this point, I'm like, the ref must be deaf or something because, I mean, it's yeah. not a no-DQ match, but how do you not hear that chair shot and not turn around and look at it? <laughs> it was ridiculous. Yeah, I had to go back and rewind a couple times because I think I think he was distracted by Paul Bear at that point. Or he, had, or he had just been, like, maybe he turned around too soon, but, like, it was a no, but yeah, these refs, they, you got to hear stuff, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, a giant thud on a human flesh, and it's just like, <laughs> turns around, doesn't see anything. So I guess if the ref didn't see it, didn't have, if the ref I didn't hear not. it, it didn't no. happen either. So, yeah. but yeah, again, this is Undertaker. We've talked about how, even though he's a face, he doesn't mind cheating and choking and stuff, but this is his blatantly, you know, using foreign objects to, mm-hmm. to, injure people mm-hmm. here so again he's getting more emotional more human you know it's just really cool to see and yeah, yeah watch him just nail him across the back then he hits a he kind of chokes him hits a big boot uh, back in the ring and he goes for a tombstone attempt but it's reversed into the swing and neck breaker and i always like mankind's swing and neck breaker i just thought it was it again it, it flowed well i don't know for yeah. being not a ring general it it was just smooth man i always liked the way he did it um and then, so Mankind's kind of on the, on the, uh, in, or in charge at this point. He hits a leg drop after a really long, uh, sell, though. Like, so after the neck breaker, they're both kind of on the ground for a while. Then he yeah. hits a leg drop and he just goes and squeals like a pig at Undertaker <laughs> for a little bit. So, yeah. And always- he goes for the mandible claw here and Undertaker blocks him. So, he blocks the kind of cool to see. He finally gets, blocks it, you know? Yeah, finally. Finally fights out of that. Um, and then, but mankind is able to get him in a nerve hold, uh, which yep. kind of 
kind of goes for a long time. They're kind of uh, calming the crowd down a little bit as they get ready for the second half of the match uh, to, yeah. to pick them back up again. And Paul Bear is out conducting the crowd. Uh, some more oh, rest yeah. in peace chants, getting them ready to go, <laughs> psyching the Undertaker up. Um, Mr. Bear's opus, man. <laughs> You're welcome. Can one of our listeners please make us a poster uh, with that on there? <laughs> Mr. Bear's opus. I- I'm going to need that. We will send we will send oh. something to a listener who can uh, fix that. Uh, Cook something up like that up for us. I, we'll, we'll send you some. I don't know why. We'll find something to send you. Something good. <laughs> anyway, sorry. <laughs> there he is, man. He's a maestro out there getting his R.I.P. chance, man. Rest in peace. So good. So. Oh, and then I do want to point out that Jr. He, he again, cool, cool storytelling here. He puts over how Undertaker is really beaten down. He says even though the urn is at ringside, ah, you know, because that's been a big factor in all the, you know, the supernatural parts of the Undertaker first five years is when the urn's not there is melted into a chain <laughs> he's yep. a little bit more vulnerable but here he's like you know the urn is there he's got the power but he's still beaten down which i just thought that's a cool little nuance that only someone as brilliant as jr is going to pick up you know so and i thought uh owen hart was good on commentary here too he's kind of noting that we're seeing a new undertaker uh he's usually slow and methodical like you mentioned at the beginning and now uh, the commentators are picking up on it because now he's hitting them with the quick rights and lefts and yep. uh, doing a different style too that's what I, I i wanted to point out i'm glad you said that because i was about to write in my notes that this is a new undertaker and mm. as i'm writing it like i put in my well i'm typing my notes so as i'm typing it owen hart says that same thing this is a new undertaker he's usually slower more methodical and he's hitting fast rights and lefts and i was like man what are the odds of that like i forgot that or i didn't realize he was going to say that so it was just kind of cool how we all noticed that at the same time but yeah he's coming out like ronda rousey man just knocking this dude you know or i guess conor mcgregor or something just swinging man just right left right 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 this is really cool to see um again it's more of like an mma fight at this it point it's just it's, slugging away it's a i fight. think vince or jr says like it's like a barroom brawl or something these guys are just tearing each other apart yeah he, so. jr said at one point it's like a prison riot uh, and they're just like yeah, prison riot yeah no rules just throwing hands yeah uh they get back outside the ring and they're doing some stuff with the stairs uh hit the, throwing each other into the stairs mankind does his little running knee smash uh smashes under oh, his head yeah. between his knee and the stairs uh but then <laughs> but this he, he runs all the way around the ring though he goes out one side he runs all the way around the ring and then he comes in with the knees of the stairs he's it's building momentum you know yeah oh yeah yeah, so momentum equals mass time velocity. I mean, he knows. He knows. Whoa. So. <laughs> Whoa. Hold on now. <laughs> I did he not knows. know there would be math on this uh, podcast. Oh, sorry. I used to teach, used to teach physical science. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, anyway. <laughs> uh, but then uh, Undertaker or Mankind goes for that elbow off the apron again, uh, but Undertaker blocks it with a chair. Uh, and and yeah. uh, it's another brutal chair shot on the Mankind. Just a Ooh. wicked, wicked chair shot. On his head. Yeah. Oh, it, it made me uncomfortable. I guess the older I get and the more I see, we hear about the CTE stuff, you know, it's just like, oh, it makes me so uncomfortable to watch that. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I know back like when we were watching this, so I was like, like I hated when guys put their hands up. I was like, what a pansy. But like now I'm like, oh, those please, guys are geniuses. Please put your hands up. Mankind block anything. Yeah. Mankind doesn't block anything. He just takes it around the head and I just, oh, it hurt me, man. Yeah, but I will. We're, we're gonna see some that Undertaker takes here uh, in the months to come that are just as bad. You know, he he gave them out, but yep. he took them too. Um, which, oh yeah. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but uh, he took them 
just as much as he gave him out. But um, here again, Owen Hart notes that um, Undertaker might be getting discouraged here because he's trying everything to put mankind down and none of it's working. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he, and I don't know if it's him that said it or, or or if I just wrote it myself. But I, I just wrote that Undertaker is desperate to hurt this man. Mm-hmm. Like he's just getting desperate. He's he's grasping his straws trying to find anything he can do because then he just starts headbutting him yeah. you know too bad he wasn't Samoan he just starts going like <laughs> Daniel Bryan and uh, Dolph Ziggler style from <laughs> Wrestlemania figures ago he just headbutting away at Mankind so but nothing more, that Mankind... much more I love it yeah it, it, it got really good it was a slow start yeah. but it got really good um, and, and nothing that Mankind is doing is working either he does his little wedgie pile driver right. and uh, yep. it's a near fall but Undertaker kicks out of that so Mankind starts freaking out pulling his hair out uh, hits his own head into the turnbuckle a bunch of times just like having <laughs> a freak out because he doesn't know what to do how to take how to put Undertaker away for good uh, so eventually he steals the urn and Vincent Man says something really stupid here he says uh, he'll be disqualified for sure if he uses that urn. Like, we've already seen him hit each other with chairs, hit each other with the stairs, but, oh, if he uses the urn, yeah. <laughs> um, the referee's going to call for the bell off that. You can't, no no urns in this match. No urns allowed. This match is scheduled for one fall with no urns. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dumb. But uh, JR says after he steals the urn that symbolically he has defeated the Undertaker by stealing the urn. So, I oh, mean, but we all know that's not true. No. It's happened like it's happened the first six times. years. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. He, he rears back to hit the Undertaker here, and uh, he's in the corner. He's selling real big, and he's selling up to the nosebleed section. You know, he he definitely has some theatrics in this. He pulls, he rears the the um, urn way back behind his head, and so everybody can see what he's about to do. And um, as he goes to hit it, um, Paul Bear steals it back. And uh, then Taker sits up, and Mankind tries a mandible claw again, and Taker goozles him and, and pushes him into the corner. And then this is – I'll let you take the end part away here because this is where the, the ending comes. Paul Bearer loads up the urn, picks it up over his head like he's going to whack Mankind with it. But inadvertently – and I say that with air quotes uh, to – show you guys on the podcast because uh, it's an audio medium not a visual medium but uh yeah <laughs> undertaker or paul bearer quote unquote inadvertently whacks the undertaker in the head with the urn and mankind is able to get the pin and uh owen hart also notes that maybe paul bearer did it on purpose he's quick to say that maybe he he didn't mean to hit uh, mankind, he was trying to hit Undertaker the entire time, but Paul Bearer is crying, wailing away. The crowd is stunned, silent. Uh, there is no reaction here. They're shocked to see yeah. uh, not a, not a clean well, pinfall, but a rare pinfall over the well, Undertaker. Was it a pinfall? Because he has the mandible claw in, but does the ref count anything? I don't okay. remember a pin, maybe. I don't remember a three count. I just well, maybe it was him, technically he's on the ring. I think it's just a ref stoppage. Ref honestly. stoppage. Okay, excuse me. Yeah, it's it's weird. That's why, because I was confused too. I was like, the ref didn't hit the ring or three times. He didn't just go drop his arm three times, and I was just kind of like, what happened? This it's eighteen minutes long. The match eighteen twenty one, and so, but at this point, like, yeah, the, he has a minimal claw on, and I don't. I guess I I assume it's a ref stopper. You're right. I don't know. We could we could go to the official. Uh, history of wwe i guess but i didn't check that but no because that's what the finish has been for all mankind's matches uh he he does have them like 
their shoulders are on the mat, whoever he's facing, yeah. when he has him in the mandible claw. But you're right. I just got confused. It is usually the ref just calling for the bell uh, and not counting yeah. the three count. So that that is what happens here. I apologize. Uh, you, you had it right. Oh, no, it's, it's good. But, yeah, but a rare loss. We haven't seen Undertaker yes. lose too much. And again, Mankind has his number here, man. He's he just, does. He's got his ticket, you know. He, he's got his number, and he keeps beating him one way or another um and this is two and, pay-per-views in a row that undertaker has lost that's the first time we've seen that uh, yeah on this for show sure. first time he's had a two yeah. loss streak and also man king of the ring kind of has his number two this is two losses at two king of the <laughs> yeah. ring appearances man oh bad luck at least at this, this pay-per-view. good right at least yeah. this match is good <laughs> yeah. yeah but um after this match uh Mankind chases Paul Bear up the aisle with a chair, kind of, a little bit. Yeah. And then Taker's kind of selling as he stumbles up the aisle. And I just wrote, it's a really good showing. So much intensity. Like, this match is just, if you had to say what's one word, like, intense is yes. it. it yes. just It's the closest that wrestling, professional wrestling, looks to real, you know? Aside from having a legitimate Brock Lesnar in there or something, you know? When he's breaking people up in the hard way <laughs> but uh you know uh, but it's really good and um again just a new style for undertaker like owen hart mentioned and we've mentioned and uh really cool to see you know because again the whole point of this podcast is, is a to discuss these matches and b to discuss the undertaker's evolution um over the course of his of his career and uh, we definitely see a new more intense angry man and I'm glad you pointed out the air quotes, the audible air quotes for uh, inadvertently, because we'll get into that as 1996 continues to, to go. We'll see what happens with he and Paul Bear. Um, yeah, good yeah. stuff, man. You know, just talking about the evolution of The Undertaker, of one character over over this journey of his career, um, we, this is a, a different page in The Undertaker. It's a different type of matchup. Uh, he is. It's like a really stark contrast from everything else in the WWF right now. This intensity, mm-hmm. this, this type of feud, and credit goes to Mankind as well for bringing that out of The Undertaker, for being the kind of opponent yeah. to draw that type of match out of The Undertaker and to give him that new layer, that new depth to his character, to his in-ring style. And we're going to see more and more of it here as the months go on with their feud and Undertaker's feuds with other people. But, uh, yeah, it, the story... Do, do you think... Go ahead. No, I was going to... Do you think... This just came to me right now as we're talking. Do you think that maybe... Um, Mick Foley thinks he has something to prove and maybe um, Undertaker as well because, again, Vince was kind of uh, poo-pooing all over, you know, this decision to bring in uh, uh, Mick Foley, you know, as the dirt sheets. And even Jim Ross has told on this podcast, you know, do you think that maybe they thought they had something to prove here so they really kicked it up a notch? That's just me spitballing here, but I wonder if that's part of the case here because they really, I mean, this stuff is good. It's good stuff, man. I think they absolutely had something to prove because – Looking back at the build-up to this, I'm not sure that the Vince McMahon and the creative team, whoever it was back then, necessarily saw this as a major feud or a major star right. there because they're not giving it a ton of build-up. And then we're going to see next month uh, the build-up just gets dropped all of a sudden, and we go back to gold dust, and it's just really <laughs> weird. And uh, not, you know, not to spoil our next episode, but the build-up really sucks for for next week's well, episode. Yeah. Uh, so you know, I feel like maybe they you know changed their plans around after this match happened uh, to see that okay maybe we need to give these guys a longer feud maybe we need to draw this out more and do something more with mankind undertaker paul bear all of that i don't know but yeah i think they definitely yeah. had something to prove uh and maybe it wasn't all set in stone uh how big of a star 
Mankind was going to be, or what kind of role he was going to have going into this. Um, so I think that's a great point. Yep, that's true. And uh, I was going to say, uh, P.S., two weeks after this show, uh, the NWO debuts at Bash of the Beach. So yes. we're going to have to see the WWF kick it up a notch because you're going to, you know, you, you mentioned all these cartoony characters like we're going to get the goon and TL Hopper and all this stuff. Meanwhile, on the other channel on Nitro, in two weeks from, from this show, we get the NWO. You know, the, the turning point in the Monday Night Wars, uh, wrestling changed forever that night, and the WWF's going to have to do something to pick up some steam here and change our direction, you know? And I just think that's a cool little fun fact I just happened to point out. I happened to look and see what the date was. So, yeah, um, yeah we'll see WWF kick it up a notch. Well, I wanted to point that out, too. Let's talk about that on the next episode. Uh, yeah. It'll be fitting uh, for those two July pay-per-views of 1996. We can talk a little bit more about that on uh, next week's episode, next Friday. Um, but just to wrap things up with this episode, you know, real quick, uh, this is the first time we've ever seen any sort of tension, any sign, any sort of miscue, uh, any sort of friction at all between Paul Bear and The Undertaker. Over six years uh, of them being together, this is the first time Paul Bear has ever really cost The Undertaker a match. There's been any sort of um, anything that we've seen of them just not being totally in sync with each other here. Uh, so that's pretty... Yep amazing uh if you look at things now i mean you just never see teams partnerships managers and wrestlers hardly ever see them last that long uh, now we're seeing a little bit of it now paul bear i mean excuse me paul Heyman and brock lesnar have been together for a really long time that's the closest i think that that you can compare to paul bear and the undertaker but those guys aren't even yep. on tv every week uh, so it's that's maybe true. a little <laughs> bit different not quite the same um, but just pretty amazing how they've been able to hold off on teasing anything like that. And they will continue to tease it. It will continue to be a part of the story uh, here. Um, it, they're making it sound like Owen Hart is just being ridiculous, being a silly heel, uh, trying to stir up dissension between those two. Uh, but there may be more to that story than meets the eye. But we'll talk about that on the next episode. We'll talk about what's happening in the world of wrestling, uh, in WCW, and the competition as well on next week's episode. And we'll talk about... Undertaker versus Goldust at In Your House International Incident, July 1996, on next week's episode as well. But we want to hear what you thought of this episode, what you thought of this match, uh, Undertaker versus Mankind at King of the Ring 96. Uh, we want to hear from you. So leave a comment, uh, leave us a rating on iTunes, on Podomatic, on uh, Stitcher, on Google Play, on YouTube, on all those sort of things. Subscribe to us. Hit us up on Twitter at TalkingTaker. Uh, you can hit me up as well at Alex Dorio. And uh, you can leave a message for hashtag TwitterlessTravis on there as well. Uh, and he'll get that Boom. for sure. Tremendous. And uh, <laughs> you can hit us up on the Facebook page. We both check on that and update that as well. Uh, all throughout the week with videos, with clips with pictures with all sorts of fun stuff so if you're undertaker mark uh like we are uh for big mark uh mean mark uh then hit us up on there enjoy it we won't try to bombard uh, I didn't you even put that together yeah <laughs> big mark. And, uh, yeah oh we need to shout out um at adam underscore rotella he uh put us over he he went and listened to, he, he watched the king kong bundy uh undertaker match god bless him i don't know why <laughs> god bless you adam and uh reviewed our podcast of it and listened to it and put a video on his um website or his excuse me his twitter 
uh, at Adam underscore Rotella and uh, just kind of talks about it and puts us over. We appreciate you listening to that, and we encourage you guys to go follow him as well. He's got some good stuff. I think it's a NWA enthusiast. Is that what his hashtag thing is? That's uh, a little hashtag, but yeah, his Twitter handle is at Adam underscore Rotella, and he's got uh, talks about NWA, a lot of old school stuff on his Twitter page. Post some fun videos on there. So once again, thanks, Adam. We appreciate the feedback. Uh, we appreciate you putting us over. And I hope everybody will go follow him as well. And, uh, yeah, uh, we want to hear from you. We appreciate you listening, and uh, we love to hear from you. Yep. If you were there in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, at the Mecca Arena, we'd like to hear from you. If you dressed up. Uh, We haven't seen too much cosplay these last few years in Undertaker's career. So, yeah, a little disappointing. Thanks a lot, guys. But, uh, anyway, uh, yep, other than that, we'll talk to you next week. Uh, Take her easy. See you off the streets for a change. <laughs> What's the matter? Strip clubs closed tonight? Uh, I, I think we just need to apologize. Burger huh? King, I think you've made one too many trips there, haven't you? On behalf of the. Hey, when you wear blue, do people try to mail letters at you? Well, Jerry the King, Alala. Oh my goodness. Look at these two. Take a good look at her face. Oh, I have it's to. girls like you that turn men into, well, people like gold dust. It's got that right, too. <laughs>